the beginning of the job interview process, you're just a piece of paper. Another resume submitted for the gig. You get piled up with the other papers and before you even know it, you've been placed into one of two piles, the no's or the yeses. This is the show all about getting you into the yes pile. Hey, welcome to the Yes Pile, the show that helps you transform your professional persona to land you where else? In the Yes Pile of candidates for your dream job. I'm your host, Tessa Wolf. I'm a recovering corporate manager turned career coach. I've coached hundreds of professionals in my career and I've interviewed thousands more. And now I'm here to help you navigate this brave new world and to provide you with simple and actionable advice for success at any stage of your career. My goal, help you land your perfect job and then kick ass at it. So whether you're putting off drafting that resume, actively on the job hunt, navigating hurdles in your current role, or considering a complete career switch, I'm here to share my best tips and tricks to position you for success. Okay, today we are interrupting your job hunt. Stop your scrolling, stop your searching by job title, stop the job hunt burnout. Before you dismiss or apply for another, maybe, job, I want you to actually listen to today's show because today we are digging into the art of deciphering the job posting and the importance of reading between the lines to better understand both the expectations and implications of a potential future role. In today's show, we're going to tackle how to review the basic information contained within any job posting you read, both the written and unwritten, and then we're going to uncover the real meaning of 13 of the most overused phrases in today's job posting world. So, I recently read in a study done by The Ladders that 44% of job seekers say they spend anywhere from one to five minutes reviewing a job post, which actually sounds reasonably good to me, right? Then, in this exact same study, through an eye-tracking exercise, they found that, in reality, people are only spending about one minute total reviewing a post. One minute. Just one. And I want to ask, is that you? Is that you out there? Raise your hand. If you are just giving it one quick scan, and then you're saying, yes, this is the job I want, or no thanks, not for me. I want to talk about why one minute is not enough. So the first thing that we all need to remember when we're perusing the job postings out there is that a job post is essentially an advertisement for the job. And let's think about how companies advertise things. The company that puts a job posting out is working really hard to attract somebody into the role, right? The job posting is optimistic. While it's focused on the requirements to do that role, of course, and we're spending time making sure that our skills align with those requirements, you also need to realize that this is a sunshine and rainbows version of what that role will actually entail. And when we read these job postings, especially early in our careers, we're often really eager and excited to read these ads for roles that sound awesome. We're blinded by optimism and opportunity, The average reader looks at these and they just kind of scan the job title, the job requirements, qualifications, and then they go yay or nay. And they either apply or they don't and they move on either way. But 
I don't want you to do that anymore. I want you to learn how to read job postings with an optimistic curiosity, but also a healthy dose of skepticism. I want you to actually take the time to dissect the job post. And that does mean digging a little deeper, spending a little more time to really read what's being said and to read between the lines. I want you to spend the time to uncover hidden insights and information about the role and the company. And more often than not, my friends, it is those details between the lines that are the biggest indicators of whether or not this opportunity is the right one for you. Not only that, but taking a minute to just slow down and really sit with the post may better enable you to unlock a valuable insight that you can work to your advantage if you decide to apply for the role. So after today, I want you to pledge to not be in the one minute reader club, but actually take the time to read each job posting through once with optimistic excitement. Sure, for good measure. Ask yourself, does this job appeal to you? Are you excited about the potential opportunity? Okay, great. Now it's time to put on your detective hat and dig a little deeper to see if it's truly a good fit. And I always tell clients, think of a job interview as a date. You're both trying to learn about the other and see if this may be a good match. So I want you to think about a job posting like you would someone's online dating profile. Look for the good parts but also look for the red flags. Much like a potential boyfriend, don't go in thinking you're going to be able to change the company once you're officially together. Jobs, much like boyfriends, are never perfect. But with a little extra investment on the upfront, you can find yourself starting a relationship with a brand new company soon. I promise. So with that, and a promise to not be in the One Minute Reader Club, how do we properly evaluate a job post, you ask? Well, let's start with the basics. So most job postings are broken into several sections, or at least they should be. And if you're not already familiar with them, the formula generally consists of a general overview or summary of the company and the role, a key responsibility section that lists out the job duties, and then a qualification section, which includes some educational requirements, certifications, sometimes years of experience, and other skills that are required. Now, first things first, and this is one I talk about a lot with people, the job title. I'm going to say something that some of you may find controversial, but hear me out. Job titles, more often than not, just absolutely get in the way of an effective job search. It's true. Job titles can be very misleading. And a lot of the experts say it's not a good idea to infer anything good or bad, from a job's official title when you're on the hunt. And the reason for that is that companies hand out titles differently, every single one. Small and younger companies tend to give every employee a big title, regardless of their experience or expertise. And a huge company may have a coordinator role posted that requires 10 years of experience. And then on the other hand, it's very common for some industries like PR to have multiple vice presidents. There's just no two companies or industries that do it the same. It's a total wild, wild west when it comes to job titles. So if you are searching for roles based only on the job title you covet, stop. Instead, 
what I want you to do is start searching and reviewing by keywords. Those words that describe the core responsibilities and requirements of the role. That will give you a much better understanding of the level of expertise they're looking for and what the role really does and what the responsibilities entail. Also, do a quick check to see if they are posting years required. That can also help you understand if they're looking for someone with your tenure or with more or less experience. And if it says five years required and you have four, still apply. Don't let that slow you down. But it gives you an idea of the level of expertise they're looking for. So let me tell you why searching and reviewing a job posting this way can be a game changer. I recently saw an assistant director role advertised, popped into my inbox, and I'm working with a client. I thought, oh, that sounds right up her alley. So I clicked on it. I actually broke my very own rule and I clicked based on the title alone. Now, reading through this, it was a laundry list of responsibilities, guys. But I did notice that these responsibilities and duties were kind of all over the place. It was not a clear set of responsibilities or even kind of a core focus. So I kept reading largely out of confusion. And when I got down towards the very end of the job posting and what felt like the fine print, under years of experience required, and this is not a joke, it said none. You guys, this was an unpaid internship advertised as an assistant director role. You cannot make this stuff up. Talk about false advertising. Do not fall for the old title, bait and switch. Honestly, take the time to look for the keywords and the responsibilities of the job and release your own emotional attachment to a job title. Honestly, so much of that is driven by our egos, right? Let go of it. If you're truly looking for a job where you can succeed, grow, and make an impact, let's start reviewing and searching by the keywords on our resume to find a job that aligns with our skill set. Okay, moving on. When you are looking at a job posting and you're reviewing the job duties and qualifications section, I have to tell you something right now. Don't let this section intimidate you or rule you out. Read it. Read it again. Check the keywords. Is this what you do? Is this who you are as a professional? Okay, some of it is, but a few things feel like they might be a bit of a stretch. That is okay. A lot of people don't apply to these jobs because they don't have a ton of experience in every single bullet listed. People, that's okay. You do not need to be a total pro at every single line item listed under qualifications and responsibilities. In fact, some experts advise that you only need about 60 to 75% of it all to be considered for a role. Truthfully, Now, we're not talking about the requirements section. If that requirement says a degree in astrophysics is required, they probably mean it really is. But under qualifications, if there's a boatload of core responsibilities and they're all totally jiving with the keywords on your resume and your own professional experience, don't let a few lines deter you. Apply for it. Now, are you reading the posting and thinking, that this is actually lacking a lot of specifics for the responsibilities. Like there's no keywords here. Take the lack of information in a posting as a red flag that the company may be unsure of what they want. If they can't clearly describe what skills and level of experience they require, they likely won't be too great at guiding you into your new role with their company either. 
Trust me that working to avoid job postings with vague descriptions or convoluted titles can save you a lot of frustration and wasted time down the road. Okay, but let's say you're actually seeing the opposite. The job description reads like a user's manual with painfully specific details that just keep you scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, wondering if the single role does every single thing at the company. If the expectations for the role are super high on paper, that may be a sign that no matter who gets this job, the company's expectations will continue to be over the top and unattainable. And while we're talking about length, if you spot a long job posting, oh boy, I've seen a few. And let's say this long job posting isn't super focused or specific, that is a mess to avoid. Why? Much like a resume, the main reason posts are too long is because the company does not know what's most important to the role. And that is a major red flag. So I want you to just think about it from your own position. What's your goal with a resume? We wanna share the most important information only, It's a highlight reel, not a professional memoir. Accomplishments, not laundry lists of responsibilities. Say more with less. Guys, job posting should do the same. The good ones, anyway. A job posting that's just adding filler to get to a minimum word count, or let's say saying the same thing over and over again in different ways, that is all an indication that the hiring manager or the company don't actually know what the core function of the role is, which absolutely sets you up for failure. So I want you to look for job postings that have clear responsibilities and contributions. If you understand what the job requires and what they do to lend value to the organization after reading the post, that is a winner. Apply there. Okay, moving along. I also want to advise you that as you're reading the posting, as much as you're looking at the words and looking for keywords and responsibilities, pay attention to the tone. The tone of the writing can actually be even more telling than the words on the page, right? Particularly when it comes to talking about the company. For example, if a posting drops the idea of having fun or super lively or casual in nature, this is more often than not an indicator that the people that work in the company or that they're trying to attract to the company are young. And a job posting that is more formal and direct in tone will likely be just that more formal in person. And neither of those examples are better than the other. It's just a matter of what you prefer and what's the best working environment for you. Where do you feel most successful, most secure? So be mindful of the tone and energy in the posting because it's pretty telling in exactly the type of place you'll be walking into. And speaking of telling, let's jump in to 13 of the most popular, overused, convoluted phrases in the job posting universe and uncover their true meaning, shall we? Okay, this will be fun, or at least informative. Let's start with the most common phrases, because there are many, but let's talk about this. Have you seen this one? Other duties assigned. What does this mean? Other duties assigned. Okay, here's the download. Oftentimes, this means the hiring manager doesn't actually know what they want. It could be a brand new role at the company, which if you're seeing other duties assigned, 
That's a great question for you to ask in the interview or a pre-screen with HR. Or it could mean that the truth is there's a lot of evolution happening and they want to leave this role open to be able to pivot you to work on whatever is hot at the time. And that happens a lot at younger companies and startups. You'll see this in a lot of those job descriptions. And that may sound totally okay to you. But I want you to know that what this does mean is they really want someone who's willing to do anything. Whether it's in your job description or even your wheelhouse or not, they want someone who will just dig in and get it done. So if that sounds okay to you, which is awesome, then in your resume and your cover letter and in the job interview, I want you to stress your openness to doing almost anything and to remain open-ended and flexible. Those are some of the keys that will help position you for a job that has this other duties maybe required tag on it. All right, that really goes to this next one, which in my opinion, I think is this is the number one thing I see in all job descriptions across industries these days. But this word is flexibility. Oh boy. So guys, I would say, of course, the idea of being flexible overall is an amazingly positive trait. Sure. If you're an inflexible employee, you're easily adaptable. You're okay to pivot. You like to lean in and pick up projects from the team. And that's all super positive stuff. And so if you see requires flexibility, this may be a really good opportunity, particularly if you're looking for opportunity to stretch and grow and try new things. But I will say this, if we are reading between the lines here, a company that uses this term to talk about expectations may also be expecting you to be flexible about working terms. So this phrase is used for a lot of jobs that are high demand, like sales or marketing. And in this this instance, they mean a few things. Willingness to do whatever is asked at a moment's notice is one of those. So if you are someone who actually needs a plan, if you're a little bit more linear, you need boundaries, definition, routine, this may not be the job for you. Because at any time, they may redirect you and need you to go off of that plan right now and to do it with a smile, which is not easy for people that need guardrails and a sense of expectation in the day-to-day. Another meaning for employers when they say flexible is what they really mean is you are willing to work whenever and wherever. They want someone willing to take calls in off hours, work a weekend, or stay late one night to wait for a delivery. It could be anything, but what they want is for you to be flexible with the terms of your workday. So if you're seeing that word and getting that vibe as you read the job posting, make sure you write down a question for the interviewer around expected working hours and the expectations for what flexibility means so that you have a very clear understanding of what that word means to them because it's different everywhere. All right, next one. And I hate this one. Work hard, play hard mentality. Barf. Work hard, play hard. It's just like a 90s commercial for like women's products. I don't know. I just hate it. So you guys, this one is easy for me to tell you because I've seen it. I've lived it. I felt it. This one truthfully means that the culture of the company is always on. Work hard, play hard. Expectation is to go, go, go all of the time. Okay. Always on. Now, similarly, 
but in different words, and these to me scream red flag. Must be extremely hardworking or must be able to handle extremely high stress. Now listen, lots of high pressure jobs are super rewarding. I have firsthand experience with that. I get it. But if they are telling you in the job posting, which remember is an advertisement, that this job requires a lot of hard work or it is really stressful, they are literally advertising that to you. Believe them. This will be a hard job. You will be tired. Are you up for it? Is the pay commiserate? Is the opportunity worth it to you? Is this a step towards something bigger? Take the time to understand how you currently value your work-life balance. And we're all at different places with that. And that is okay. But think about it. Does a high-stress, high-demand job work for you right now? Does it excite you? Does it terrify you? Think about your own ability to navigate your stress management, right? Think about if you're ready for a full-on, high-pressure gig before you walk into that interview. Just trust me here. And another one that's so interesting that kind of fits in this pattern here is fast-paced environment. Now, this one is funny to me because I have actually used this myself when writing job postings. And when I used it, what I actually meant was, and I would never say this, but it's chaotic here. We're always behind. There's always work to be done. So I hope you can figure it out. (laughs) Like legitimately, you will hear this phrase, fast-paced environment, a lot at startups, at baby companies, at companies that are maybe lacking infrastructure. And I think a lot of people actually intentionally add this to a job description thinking it makes it sound more exciting. But in reality, there are really two things, two big sticky things that this may be signaling that I want you to look out for. The first one being the place is understaffed. Everyone is doing everything, literally. And that's why it's a fast paced environment. The second one is that the team is overworked. This is an organization that pushes and pushes and pushes their employees to always do and take on more. Neither of these are fun. So when you're reading and you see fast paced environment, I want you to look for additional hints within the context of the resume for both of these things. And if you see some stuff and it's starting to back up your hypothesis and you apply and you score an interview, whether it's a screener or a real interview, do some additional questioning in this area. If you can, if you get a peer interview, which I love when you get that opportunity, ask a fellow employee to tell you about their role and responsibility in the company and see how they respond. See if they're actually managing a boatload of responsibilities or if they come across visibly overwhelmed. If so, you know right there, red flag. I want you to decide if you want to join that fast-paced environment or if a more moderately paced job would better suit you. And there is nothing wrong with either. It's just good to know what you're walking into, right? All right, next up. This one we all see. Works well under pressure. Let's be real, guys. This means that this job is a stress test every single day. It could be that you're beholden to an investor board, right? Or maybe there's a demanding CEO, Long days, tight deadlines, small windows of hope. Okay, I'm exaggerating with that. But this is another key phrase used to describe a hectic, busy, 
overextended entire team. It just is. So be on the lookout. Attention to details. This is an interesting one, right? Because I think a lot of us read this and we're like, sure, I'm good with details. But the thing you need to think about is what's more important to recognize is they're putting it in the job post. That means this is a job where other people will be checking in on those details. It's not just for you to manage. People will be looking for you to deliver on attention to detail. So if you're not one who does well with people checking in on your work, if you're maybe more of a big picture thinker versus an intuitively detail-oriented person, be mindful of this. This is something to just think through in a different lens. Okay, next one. Motivated team player. Okay, what this really means, it's someone who's willing to do any job to help the team. Which you're probably going, sure, of course, I'm definitely willing to do that. But what it really, really means is they want someone who doesn't need to be the boss. Someone who doesn't need to make all the decisions. This is someone who is willing to take a role and do a task on the team as part of a bigger effort to get something done. So if you are someone who really needs to be a leader or be a decision maker, this will not be the role for you. But if you're someone who actually would like to blend into the greater team and lend a lot of provocative thoughts, but do so in a safer place where you can all aggregate your thinking together and work towards a singular solution, this might be a great opportunity for you. Motivated team player. All right, this one. This is funny to me. Maybe not to you guys. Solution-oriented. Okay. At first pass, that sounds harmless, right? That sounds great. Solution-oriented? Yeah, I can come up with solutions. But as someone who has read thousands and thousands of job postings, I interpret this one in two ways. The first meaning, you'll be putting out lots of little fires. You'll be cleaning up other people's messes. The job or the company may not be organized or have process in place. And therefore, their employees spend a lot of time just stomping out one fire after the next, after the next. The second way I interpret solution-oriented is that you will be expected to come up with solutions on your own. We can't hold your hand. We want you to jump in, sometimes without direction or guidance, and just figure it out. Solution-oriented. You need to solve the problem on your own. And other really popular phrases that mean this exact same thing are self-starter and works independently. Have you seen those? Yeah. Okay, so interesting, right? I really believe that when you see those phrases, it means that you are going to be in a role where you don't have a direct manager telling you what to do every day or helping you solve a problem. That they're looking for someone who on their own could just jump in and get it done. They're moving so fast, they don't have time to hold your hand. So for people who are naturally entrepreneurial and a little fearless and like to take chances, this could be killer for you. For others who just need the comfort of affirmation or boundaries and guidelines, this could be a little scary. So just something to think through. Okay, next one. This one is used at a lot of startups or younger, more casual companies. And I have lots of mixed emotions about this one. The phrase is like a family. We're like a family here. Hmm, I have a family. 
do I need another one? I'm not so sure. So when you're just starting out in your career and you see like a family, it can seem kind of endearing, right? Or fun. It's like a club I want to be a part of. But it might not be because it's really important for you to know and believe and adhere to the idea that work is work. It's not your entire life. And a job posting that positions you to be part of a family is operating in a little bit of a weird boundaryless space. They're likely blurring the lines between working and non-working hours and relationships, right? So places like this that live in this like a family mentality, they oftentimes perpetuate a work 24-7 ethos. Uh, You only get it if you work here approach to life. And that gives a feeling of inclusion if you're working as hard as your peer and you're part of a team working on one thing. It truly is all about the hustle, which let's actually pause and talk about the word hustle. Okay, there used to be this air of empowerment over that word, right? Like we just work harder than anyone else and that's how we get the job done, which sounds sexy at first pass, like hard work's paying off and that's what it's all about, right? But let's be honest, what we're really talking about when it comes to work and hustle is time commitment. They are talking about the grind, 24-7, on call, on your mind, on the clock. And that can be super thrilling and exciting for many people, especially early on in your career, to feel a part of something bigger. But you should know that these type of industries and jobs, which You know, off the top of my head, I'm thinking sports, entertainment, marketing, tech startups, even some finance roles, right? This is a way of life, not just a job. And it's not for everyone. It's also not the only way to achieve your goals or define success. Like, know that. But think it through. Is that something you want to dive into? Because you will be diving headfirst. And you can learn a ton and connect with incredible professionals. Trust me. There are perks to diving into the pool of hustle, but there's really something to think about there. And that brings us to our last word on this list of common job posting phrases that we don't understand, and that is agent of change. Okay, this one is relatively new, but it is suddenly everywhere. And what does it mean, agent of change? Well, it means you'll be responsible for implementing a bunch of stuff we've never done. We know we need to evolve, but for some reason we can't, so come help us. (laughs) Okay, are you up for that? No, really though. This requires someone who is tenacious and fearless, who does not sway easily and is up for a challenge. So that sounds like you. This may be an excellent opportunity, but if that scares you, The idea of being responsible for identifying and doing stuff never done before. Some of which will soar and some of which will fall. If that scares you, then know that agent of change might not be a phrase you want to keep searching for as you're looking for jobs. All right, guys, now you know how to decipher the real meaning behind the 13 most overly used, misunderstood, vague, and painful words in any job posting. And hear me out. I am not saying if you see one or more of these that you just close out the posting and run for the hills. Not at all. But what I want you to do is some more homework to learn about that company culture and prepare your smart questions for the interview so you can learn everything possible to see if this is really the place you want to be.
And a few other resources that can you help you make that decision. Other things you should check out as you're thinking about applying. The company's website. Their social media accounts. Glassdoor.com. Check out the employee reviews. See what their own employees are saying about them. Look for articles written about the company. And then lastly, ask people in your own network what they know about it. Hop on LinkedIn. See if you have any connections. See what they have to say about the company or role. Trust me when I say it is better to put in all of that extra effort now. If you're going like, oh my God, that seems like a lot. Doing the extra legwork right now to make sure you end up at a place and in a role that works as hard for you as you plan on working for it. It's just an investment in your own future. Let's do it. Okay, something I do every episode is take a real life question from you guys and answer it. And I got a few over this past week through Instagram, which I loved. If you're not following us on Instagram, find us today and follow. So this one slid into my DMs and it literally just said, please explain what ATS means. Yes. ATS, have you seen that floating around? Whether it's just in social or even sometimes when you're applying for a job, it'll say ATS friendly resume required. ATS stands for Applicant Tracking System, okay? It's a tool that a lot of larger companies use to help scan incoming resumes. It was designed to help hiring and HR teams cut down on the time it takes to review all the resumes that come that way, come their way, I should say, and it was created to review for top candidates using keyword scans. So they input, the HR team inputs a couple of keywords related to the job posting into a computer system, and that computer scans all resumes it takes in for those keywords, and it pulls forward the resumes that connect. So while that all largely sounds positive, right? What it means for you if you're applying to a larger company or even a small company that's owned by a larger corporation, is that your resume is being read first and foremost by artificial intelligence versus a real human being. So some of your humanity and context is missing. So this is a factor in how you apply for a job because we need to make sure that what's on paper connects with the AI program. And honestly, I think a lot of what you read about ETS is telling you people are scared and somewhat rightfully so, but they're scared they're being discarded when they apply because ATS isn't reading their resumes correctly. And so while people might actually be really qualified, the AI is separating them from the pack and they feel they're at a disadvantage. So I just wanna be the first to tell you, do not be scared of ATS. Instead, let's learn a few easy and helpful tips for working with the systems. Now, if you listen to this show, you know first and foremost the importance of keywords on your resume, right? If you don't have the same keywords, key skills, core responsibilities on your resume that are on that job posting, you're doing it wrong. To work with ATS effectively, absolutely revise your resume for the job you're applying for to include all of the pertinent keywords to showcase that you are a match for that job. And honestly, if you're applying for the right job, you should already have those keywords on your resume because you're picking a job that best aligns with who you are and what you do. But anyway, I wanna make sure that your keywords are aligned with the keywords on the posting because that is the first thing that ATS is gonna look for. The second thing you need to think about, and this is one I think a lot of people discredit or maybe don't give as much attention to, 
is that you need to make sure the format of your resume is ATS friendly. So what that means is don't have a ton of crazy icons or graphics all over the page. That throws the computer off. It doesn't know how to read and process what that's saying. Don't add random tables to add a little design inspiration or multiple word boxes or this one I see a lot. Don't add a bunch of crazy fonts that are not globally compatible. If it's not a Google font or built into Word or Pages, whatever you're using, don't add it. Don't go to one of those free font websites and pull a font to your resume. Make sure it's just a universally compatible font you're using. And keep the layout streamlined. Use horizontal lines to separate sections. Use bullets for your lists, right? ATS is not anything to be scared of, but instead just be aware that for bigger companies, this is at play and you need to make sure your resume is ATS friendly. So I, I hope that answer helped. If you have any more questions on what ATS applicant tracking systems are or do, feel free to reach out to me directly. All right, guys, if you have a question or an idea for a future podcast, hit me up. The show is designed for you. So let me know how I can help you. You can reach me on Instagram at the ESPile podcast, or feel free to email me directly, connect at tessawolf.com. So next week's show, I'm excited about this one. Next week, we are going to talk about setting goals. Yep, daily goals, weekly goals, big audacious goals. We are gonna talk about why goal setting matters, how it can help you de-stress your everyday, yes, de-stress, and how to effectively design and achieve goals to help keep you on track. Before we go, if today was at all helpful for you and you learned something from the work we did together, please do me a favor and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling extra inspired and generous, please give us a rating and review. For more career advice, inspiration, and fun, follow us on Instagram at the Yes Pile Podcast. Until next time, cheers, everyone.